Oh snap, it's episode 51 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and it's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. You know what? Couchtown Coffee will ship coffee to your house. That's that's one of the best things about the company. The other awesome thing is they're from Iowa. And and you know what? You know, you know what might be the best part about it is is when you order Couchtown Coffee, they will roast it to your specifications when you order it and then ship it to your house. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'll tell you what. They they've got this system down to a T where when you order the coffee, they they roast it for you. I mean, I've I've done the whole big box company thing and and get that pre-roasted coffee and they ship it to you and 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 who knows how long it's been sitting there in that sealed bag. I mean, yeah, the sealed bag does some good and whatever, but this is roasted as you order it. So you're getting coffee roasted specifically for you. The The next person might want it a little differently, and they're not going to get it the same way because Andrew Chipman at Couchtown Coffee is is the man. You know, He just does such a good job roasting coffee. Uh, every time I make an order, I, I, I like to make my orders and then also kind of ship some to friends too or people that are kind of on the fence about making an order and it's just like you know what I'll I'll make I'll make the plunge and I'll order you your first pound so I've I've shipped out a couple orders to people and I I always get rave reviews from them I hope they're uh they have the guts to come back and order another another pound or two for themselves if you want to order some we've got an awesome deal for you so what you can do is you can go to couchtowncoffee.com you can click on the our roasts section you can find a coffee you like. You you make your little order there. Uh, you can email it in, and when you email it in, make sure you use the code word cross-eyed. Cross-eyed. The code word cross-eyed will save you twenty percent. Twenty percent on your order. That uh that completely eliminates shipping costs, and then and then puts a little bit on the on the top end. Uh, away from the coffee, so you're going to save a decent chunk of money here. Uh, Couchdown Coffee, like I said, will roast the coffee exactly like you want it to. They'll ship it to your house. You can't beat that. It's coming right out of Iowa. It's local. They're supporting me. They're also supporting everybody listening to this podcast by giving you an opportunity to save 20%. So enter the code word cross-eyed. All right, cross-eyed. Why would you think the code word would be cross-eyed? Well, I'm sitting down with Lance Larson of Cross-Eyed Mary. Uh, Lance plays the drums. The two of us had kind of gotten together uh, and and talked a little bit here and there at shows, but uh, as far as meeting up for a podcast, it was difficult. So the two of us decided we were going to go to the Rock and Picnic and, and record an episode, and that was a fantastic idea because I had I had plans of recording some sort of a live episode while I was there, and it never never came to fruition just due to the fact there was too much ambient noise. But that's not what this episode's about. This episode is about Lance Larson playing the drums, Cross-Eyed Mary, uh, how he's played humongous shows. Um, I mean, 7,000 plus people. Are you kidding me? That'd be insane. We talk about that in the podcast. We talk about trials and tribulations, uh, how the scene has changed since he has been in the scene. Uh, all sorts of good stuff come out of this podcast. I had a great time sitting down and getting to know Lance a little bit better. And I hope you guys, too, uh, check this episode out. It's going to be a great one. Uh, make sure you enter that code word cross-eyed at couchtowncoffee.com. And uh, th- this is going to be a great one. In the outro, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Rock and Picnic uh, little recollection kind of thing from, from what I was there and what I saw. So uh, check this episode out. Lance Larson kills it. It's uh, episode number 51. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. 
All right, sitting down with Lance Larson today. Uh, Cross-eyed Mary, drummer. Yep. There we go, nailed it. Uh, you and I are currently, right now, at the 2019 Rockin' Picnic. That's oh, an awesome day for it, isn't it? Dude, it, I was worried about it yesterday because it was kind of cool, and I was thinking to myself, like, is it going to be cool today, or is it going to be cool and muggy, or is it going to get hot later, or... It's about perfect. It's about perfect. It's nice weather outside. I got shorts and a t-shirt on, and I couldn't be happier to be out here. Brutal Republic in the background. Yeah, there's Brutal Republic going on right now, and they're just they're just killing it. Um, I, when you and I, we had just decided to do an interview here at the Rock and Picnic, and it, when I pulled up, they were playing Mardi Gras, and you were just like, all right, I'm, I'm here. And so I was like, oh, sweet, I get to listen to Mardi Gras, and then I'm going to head over there. So I got to hear them play a few songs, and, and now they're in the background, so it's... Dude, it couldn't be a better day for a show. Awesome Labor Day weekend. Yeah. You said you actually went to a show last night, or uh, a little meet and greet. Uh, yeah, it was Litter Band. Litterer Band. A lot of people around here still remember them, but they're might... getting inducted to the Hall of Fame up in Arnold's Park. Yeah, that's cool, man. The show's tonight, actually, but uh, we went up for the meet and greet. We haven't seen those guys for like 25 years, so it's kind of cool. That's awesome. Uh, they do like cover stuff or all originals? Uh, both. A little bit of both? They, uh, That's awesome. They had a couple albums out back in the late 80s. Oh, sweet. And then uh, they would do covers, so they had a three-hour show. Did a lot of ballrooms around the area to surf. Yeah. I, I feel uh, like that's the perfect way to do it, though, is to mm-hmm. mix some covers with some originals if you can pull it off. And you can still make money at it yeah. you know, instead of doing a 35-minute set. Exactly. That's, like, the toughest part about original bands is it's like, well, we don't get paid, and it's like, well, you played for half an hour, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it is kind of tough to find the the happy medium and all of that stuff, you know? But playing for free is better than paying to play. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I've I never mean, had to do that. Have you? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Um, luckily, though, uh, a lot of it just came out of the band purse. I guess I call it the mm-hmm. band purse, but, you know, so it wasn't, like, money out of my physical pocket other than, like, driving to the show, you yeah. know? So, but even then, it's... You know, I don't mind so much paying to play um, as long as the exposure is there, but there's always that argument that exposure mm-hmm. doesn't put money in the bank account and yeah, yeah. doesn't pay the gas and or the bills. I've or, seen bands like do shows down in Des Moines at a... I don't think they're having too many more at the... What is it? Valair? Yeah. Yep. And uh, their set time would be like 5.30, you know? Uh-huh. And there'd be three or four bands on there, so... Yeah. It's not worth paying to play when you're starting at 5 30 exactly know? yeah it's tough when the headliner doesn't start till nine yeah we played a, a show at valair actually somebody had somebody had booked the building i don't know who was in charge of the promotion for that but they had us and uh, another band there and it was it was one of those types of deals where it's like you guys just come and play we'll pay you out of who shows up and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i think we started at like six and the other band started at like 8 30 so we covered about two hours with like a punk band we threw a couple covers in there just just for yeah. shits and giggles but it was it was one of those deals where we got done playing. It's like man, there's like 16 people here, including the sound guy, the other band. Uh, yeah. When when we were done, unfortunately, some of our f- friends ended up leaving. So like, I think the place even emptied out for the other band. I can't tell you off the top of my head who the other band was, which is unfortunate because it's been like two years. But yeah, they were they were friggin' awesome. They're playing like Megadeth and Metallica and ACDC. Really? And they were just mowing through like 80s rock and metal bands and it was like man how come nobody's here watching this these guys are <laughs> killing it but you know it's it's like you said it's one of those things it's kind of a crapshoot especially when you go to somewhere like yeah, yeah. you know valor ballroom where people don't even know that they're still doing shows there sometimes because they're so few and far between are they still having, they're not doing too many are they no very few very very few i want to say that uh there might have been like a wrestling event there not too long ago oh, really? um 
I, I know that like rap shows go on there sometimes, but at the same rate, I also know the people that live around the area are kind of mad about the noise that comes out of there when oh, shows yeah. are on, which... It's right well, residential neighborhood. It is near it, but uh, at the same rate, like, why would you buy a house next to a concert venue and then complain about the concert it's venue? It's like the State Fair racetrack, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. And I, I can understand. a big issue with that, too. I can understand if you were, like, grandfathered into this situation. Like, I was here before the Valor Ballroom, but you didn't own that house. Yeah. <laughs> that thing's been there since, like, the 50s, so you can't tell me that you've lived there longer than that. Maybe somebody has, but... Yeah. So you uh, play the drums. How long have you been playing? Uh, I guess, like... I don't know, 35 years, I guess. 35 years. Have you been with, how long have you been with Crossside Mary? I think we're going on like 22 years. Mm. There's dang. been some breaks here and there. If we, oh, like seven years ago, we didn't play for about four or five years. We ended up getting in a fight and yeah. told each other to fuck off. Yeah, didn't talk to each other for like five years. Dude, it's so unfortunate that that happens with bands, but like, being in a band, and I'm not trying to like put any of my bands on the spot, but I can see how that happens. So you got to spend all day, or even not all day, but you got to spend a decent amount of time with people that. Like, Back then, we thought we needed to play every weekend. Yeah. To justify being in a band, mm-hmm. we just got burnt out. And, uh, the bar scene kind of died there. It did. It was right around the time the smoking laws come in place. Yeah. I don't know. It just kind of got dead there for a while. It's not like it's great now, but. Exactly. Uh, then a uh, little Willie and Clearing, ever you remember I've that? I've heard bar? of it. Yeah, we were pretty good friends with him. He got sick, uh-huh. so we decided to get back together and kind of do a benefit for that. Yep. And then uh, Dave Yazel, my guitar player, is like, "Well, we got all these tunes, you know, worked up again. Why don't we book some more gigs?" And we've been going ever since. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be the way it goes most of the time. You're from the Clarion area, actually. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's kind of crazy that you and I have been trying to get this podcast in, but and we're not really that far away, but yeah. our schedules are so busy that it, we actually had to like meet up at a show to yeah. do it. And I that, live in Eagle Grove now, but I uh, grew up in Clarion. That's cool, man. Um, Little Willies. I want to say I've seen videos of bands playing there on YouTube. Maybe somebody's uploaded some from back yeah. in the day. I, the name sounds so familiar. It was a little, kind of a little hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. We call it the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so you kind of could st- do anything you wanted there. I mean, we blew up Pyro there. Oh, dude, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> a lot of places now, you know, you can't be here too loud and all this. Yep. It didn't matter at Little Willie's. I mean, we just tore it up. That's awesome. We played the last night that uh, the last night the bar was open. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never seen such a crazy show. There was a kid that got tased by the cops. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the night. They called in sheriffs and uh, state troopers from, like, Tri-County area. Yep. And they had, like, a big perimeter around the three-block area. Yep. Because they thought there was going to be a riot, and <laughs> that was crazy. Dude, that's, you know, as crazy as that is, it's awesome that that many people can show up to an event, whether it be for, like, a benefit or a last night for a bar or any mm-hmm. band or anything like that. Uh, that's something special because it just does not happen too often. The whole place, it wasn't a very big place, but it was packed inside. It was about 120 degrees inside. And <laughs> yep. 100 people up front, 100 people up back. And then the cops showed up. And my wife got an open container ticket. Stand, had, standing out back with one? We had uh, our motorhome over there. Oh, okay. And she walked out of the motorhome and was going to go to the back door. And it wasn't even open or anything. Oh, jeez. She ended up fighting it in court and won. But yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm talking to the cop mm-hmm. during that. And, uh, Somebody started throwing bricks and bottles at the cops oh that I was talking God. to. So I'm like, shit, man, I got to get back inside. Jesus. 
That's that's wild, man. I've never been involved in anything like that, music-wise, at least. No, no, three finger buddies never cause any riots. I don't think, you know. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of things late at night. You know, there's nothing really good happens after two o'clock. Yeah. When you're tearing down, and trying to go home, and yeah, man, I've seen high speed chases, uh, people getting their ass kicked out the outside of the bar. You know. Yep. Dude, and that you know that happens though. It comes along with the territory of playing mm-hmm. at bars and stuff like that. Because I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and guess that. Even if a band's not playing, that's probably going to happen yeah. at the bar, you know, because it just happens. Yeah. Um, last night I played a show at Boggs, and it's it's just like you said. Like uh, I left Boggs at like two fifteen in the morning after the bar closed. We all got paid out and loaded our gear out, and we're. I hop in my car and I'm going to drive down the road, and somebody ahead of me, you know, they're going like forty down a residential, and then they're going ten and swerving all over the place, and yeah. it's like, what's what's going yeah. on here, buddy? But at the same rate, like, oh, I'll just steer clear of this person. <laughs> So you have you ever played anything other than drums? Let me ask you that. No. No. So you're primarily I'm not a drummer. smart enough for anything else, <laughs> dude. You say that, but I feel like I'm not smart enough to play the friggin' drums, man. I just bang on stuff hard, and dude, <laughs> I've got so much respect for drummers because I don't know how they go about doing everything they're doing. Um, as far as like just keeping time and rhythm, you guys are like. If you guys are off even a little bit, it kind of just throws everything else off. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't want that responsibility, or I don't know what it is, but it's it's insanity how good. Like, every drummer I've interviewed, you go watch them play, it's just like, God dang, this guy's good. I can play, like, ACDC. Yeah. I can do that not even well, you know? Like, But I, I bought a drum set, uh, found one cheap online, I was like, I'm going to try this out. And it's not easy, man, so yeah. don't sell yourself short on that. But how did you start playing the drums? Was it just like, hey, we need a drummer for this band, and you just picked it up, or were you a kid? And I always... Since I was a real little kid, some friends of my parents growing up had a, he was like a high school drummer. Mm-hmm. So I'd always, I'd just be in awe, you know, when yeah. I'd see that drum kit. Then mm-hmm. uh, they never bought me drums, but I had a pair of sticks the whole time I was growing up. I don't know. I'd just beat on pillows and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just always had an interest in drums. Did you play in high school at all? No, like they any, made me play school? trombone. Oh, gross. You know how you try out. No offense to the trombone players, but gross. <laughs> well, how you try out, you know, different instruments. They said, no, you don't have any talent to play drums. Oh, it's the worst. You got to play trombone, so. Yeah, a lot of times they'll be like, you got to play piano to play drums. Yeah, that's it, a big thing. And now. it helps out with the rhythm. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but man, I wish. Everybody I, wanted to play drums in school, you know. I feel like everybody kind of did, you know. I ended up getting stuck with the trumpet and. You know, the older I got, the more they were like, let's switch you to something else because you're not the greatest at the trumpet. But, you know, far be it from me. I know. About every gig, somebody comes up and says, yeah, I used to be a drummer. I had a trap set. <laughs> that just trap set, you know. No, you weren't a real drummer. You yeah. know, you were a band drummer. Yeah, played in jazz yeah. band in high school because they call it a trap set. So that's, why is that? Why is it called a trap set? And I don't know. I, I never called it a trap set. I never have either. It's a drum kit. It's a drum kit. But I'm sure there's a reason. I'll Google it. Maybe somebody can... And you know, entertain me with the reason why. Yeah. But I, you know, let me ask you this. Okay, bigger drum kit or smaller drum kit? What's your preference? Because like the some, older I get, the smaller. Smaller, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you like having the big one when you were younger? Because you liked having the extra stuff to beat on, or or what's the yeah, deal with that? It was just cool. Yeah, that was an '80s thing, you know. Oh, totally. Oh Everybody my god. Everybody had a yeah had that big Nick, drum kit. Nico McBrain drum kit where it's no bottom heads, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can't even see the drummer. Because he's got so much stuff. He still plays like that, but he still does. Yeah, I went and saw Maiden. But he's got roadies and Slantex. And- <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He's not the one lugging it around, dude. That was wild, actually, seeing Maiden. Just those guys are like in their. You 60s. just saw that last week. Yeah, really. I, I saw them on uh, 
God, it would have been Monday. I saw him in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like my eighth or ninth time seeing Maiden. There. When they started touring again, I thought, man, they must be, you know, kind of burnt out. And mm-hmm. shit, man, they're like huge in like third world countries, you know, Dude, South America. And yeah. They did that Flight 666 yeah, documentary. And that's it's like, awesome. They like went down to like Columbia and the, like mm-hmm. wherever they went in Columbia, like Bogota or some shit. They like built them a stage to play on or mm-hmm. whatever. And Dude, that's it's wild to think about that kind of stuff. Grown men crying. Yeah. You know, when they see them. Yep. Dude. Oh, God. It's so cool. I couldn't imagine that they were still that huge. You know, they're big mm-hmm. in the States, but not nearly as big as uh, other countries. No. And that's the other thing is like you say Iron Maiden and everyone's like, oh, these guys got to be like, oh, death and heavy. Uh, and oh. It's like, no, these guys are actually uh, storytellers. Melodic. And, and, you know, very intricate. None uh, of their yeah. songs sound the same. Uh, the bass player, uh, what's his name? Steve Harris. Harris. Yeah. Yep. He does most of the writing, you know. Yep. He's yeah. a genius. Dude, it's so good. But like when you base all of your songs after like wars and like famous castles that are in mm-hmm. Europe and uh, you know books and things like there that. A lot of biblical stuff in their lyrics yeah, and stuff too. Yeah, dude, it was it was good time. I took somebody. It was their first time seeing Iron Maiden, and they were just like, "This is so good." And it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is really good." You know, it's, I didn't pay this much to go see somebody that would suck. How much were the tickets? Pretty expensive. They were pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was the most I'd spent on a ticket uh, other than Roger Waters' The Wall. Oh, yeah. That was the most I'd ever spent on a ticket. Um, was that at the Target Center or was that at the football stadium? Uh, Target Center. And I also saw them in... Because I saw them twice on the tour. Where else did I see them? Who, man, maybe Omaha, maybe not. I don't know. But that was that might have been one of my favorite shows I've ever been to was Roger Waters' The Wall. Really? It was, uh, dude, it was such a good time. And it was updated for to be modern and stuff. So every time they threw a brick up, the brick would have like a... a LCD video display and as soon as the whole wall was up like the display is all connected and it was like here's like a giant message from really? whatever you know and it was very politically driven but at the same rate uh, it was a good 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 show do you okay we're gonna get back to you now uh, playing drums cross-eyed Mary you guys do a lot of cover bands you do originals like let's let's pretty much covers we have done originals but yeah we're just pretty much cover band yeah so uh, what do you think drives you to do less originals and more covers well, I played in an original band for a few years, too. What's it's that? two totally different things. It, very much. Very I mean, much. Two different crowds, two yeah. everything. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, you got two completely different markets as far as Original bar. bands, the fans or patrons are there to watch a band. Yep. And a lot of times cover bands, you know, you're just the sometimes background music or... Mm-hmm. Uh, and those same people will bitch... Like a cover band, they like it because they know all the songs. Yep, yep. And if it's an original band, well, I don't even know one song of theirs. Yeah, because it's, it's original. Yep, yeah. I mean, I and they think they suck because they don't know the songs. Bingo. Yeah, dude. I'm glad you said that because anybody that's listening, that is like literally 100 percent exactly the reason why any of that happens. Like, like the Freedom Rally, I hear it every year. Yep. We played up there for eight years, six years in a row. This last year was our first year not there. Yeah. But I'd hear it every year. Oh, the band last night sucked, you know. One year it was Saliva. Uh-huh. Oh, and they God. did kind of suck. They had a different singer. and Oh, really? I didn't even know they had a different singer. I didn't know they had a different singer uh-huh. either. Was it Josie Scott, I think, was their singer? And he gone? I like that. He's good. Yeah, he was good, I dude. liked him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the new version. I didn't know that he was gone until they come out, and I'm like, that's not the same singer. Yeah, yet. that's not the guy I remember. And they were pushing their new album, so they didn't play that many other older stuff. And yeah. But yeah, I heard people, yeah, man, they really sucked and all this. And well, they were decent, but yeah. you didn't know they're, you know, 
they didn't play a bunch of 70s, 80s classics. Yeah, and that that's what it comes down to, though, is, like, just knowing the band and knowing what you're getting into. Unfortunately, like, and that's the worst part, is there's a lot of people that just don't want to hear new music anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know Bob Minter from Code Zero Radio, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's been one of those guys that's just been drilling new mm-hmm. music into anybody that'll listen because there's good music still coming yeah, if you out you listen to what he's playing it's i mean they're from all over the place too yeah not not just iowa yeah, you know there's some really good bands dude it's it's wild and like how do you how do you feel like since you've played both how do you feel like you draw like a disconnect between the two like do you have a preference as to playing covers or originals or uh no, not really i'm not a songwriter i'm just a drummer yeah so uh i'm just playing drums and I kind of got a bad taste in my mouth from the original band. I kind of got screwed over at the end, but yeah. Uh, but that's not anything to do with original versus covers. But yeah, yeah. Um, I do like playing shorter sets. Oh God, yeah, dude. Three hour or four hour show, it's kind of hard. Mm. I can only imagine the longest I've covered with a band is about two and a half hours, and any longer than that, I'm just like wow that people can do it. That's tough. Yeah, I mean, I've done it with Three Finger Betty, and when you're putting like two hours two hour sets like 30 punk songs you know because mm-hmm. they're all short and fast but playing like, here at rock and picnic scott doll the first year we played here he's like you got a two hour set mm-hmm. I'm like uh do we take a break in between you know two yeah. hours nope straight through yep i'm like oh man how am i gonna do that yeah exactly i always gotta pee yeah <laughs> <laughs> well lucky for everybody down here there's always lots of porta potties and things yeah. like that uh this is a well-furnished event i'm I'm like wowed and blessed for like humble. It's just crazy. I've been here. I went one year, probably about 10 years ago, eight to 10 years ago, one of the first ones. And then I hadn't been back until like three or four years ago. I started coming back and watching the, the bands here. And it's, yeah. dude, it is awesome. It's a great time here. Uh, like you said, there's bands that will play for like two hours straight here. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just mind blowing. Like uh, I played here and I was given like a half an hour set. And that yeah. was, even that's enough pressure for me to play like covers and play a half an hour. They always have like somebody doing something you know changeover yep i mean there's music the whole time the whole entire time it's very well run very well organized yeah i couldn't laid see, back i couldn't see anything better about this like it's such a good time here and uh, it's all free yeah and you've and you've played it how many yeah. times have you played the rock and Pick? twice twice last year and then two years two years because they usually don't have the same band two yeah. years in a row yeah which is cool dude that's that is awesome otherwise you think you know just i'll keep coming dry. back every time they well, hires. I mean, it's fun, dude. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a cool stage too, cool venue. Yeah, I went to the Freedom Rally here when I was like eighteen. Yeah, so you got to see some bands on the stage that were big bands, then probably. It was like John K from Steppenwolf, or maybe it wasn't John K, but it was part of Steppenwolf. Yep, I was amazed, you know. Yeah, growing up in Clarion, uh huh. I think the Freedom Rally started about the same time I started playing drums. Mm-hmm. So you go uptown and watch all the bikes and. Mm-hmm see the bands and stuff you know i'm like oh my god you know all these big bands are right in humble yep i was just amazed so to be able to play the freedom rally mm-hmm. eight years you know is pretty cool that that's awesome last year we played the main stage too so yeah and that's uh, now it's up in algona, algona yeah. yep that's a very well organized i treat you get up there too yeah man they got the two stage set up up there usually right? and they have a beer barn uh-huh which is pretty nice now mm-hmm. and it's fun i mean it's crazy that's almost funner than playing the main stage because <laughs> uh, it's later at night, you know, and yep. you see some stuff that you can't unsee up there. I mean, <laughs> That's the best description of what uh, it goes I've on had, at the bait rallies. I've had some pretty screwed up stuff happening right in front of me. Uh-huh. They like to get up on stage and mm-hmm. 
compete. Yeah, be part of the show. Yeah, um, become the show. I've seen some stuff that was just wrong too. <laughs> Dude, I guess that's like the. I don't want to like pigeonhole anybody. That's like literally the only reason I don't go to the abate rallies and stuff mm-hmm. like that because it's just like. It's not like I want to be traumatized by seeing something I haven't seen before, but at the same rate, like just like you said, you can't unsee some of the stuff you see. And then it's not the only time I've ever gone to it, and it, when I wasn't playing was when it was here when I was like eighteen. Mm-hmm. But in, other than that, it's always when we played. But the beer garden has really evolved. The first year, I think we played up there. The second year, they had it in Algona, mm-hmm. and uh, the building was the same, but the stage was uh, two guys in a pickup come with two pieces of plywood and threw them on the ground and said, "There's your." Uh, drum riser. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> we had to have our own PA and. Oh man, yeah. Now it's uh, Mike Wiedemann who's doing production here. Nice. Uh, and Andy Anderson yep. does the. I mean, that's they do the main stage and the deer barn. So it's the same PA I think that's here. Dude, it's so killer! Like the mm-hmm. sound here is is concert level quality, amazing. It is so good. That's I, one thing I've appreciated over the years. We've dealt with better sound men, you know. Dude, yeah. I've, Starting out, Jesus, we didn't and we didn't know what we were doing either, you know. Yep, yep. If you got a good sound guy, it takes so much pressure off and Bingo. makes it so much easier. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the thing is, like, as far as playing shows with the different bands I've played, like, you can go to different places and some of them have a house sound man and some of them don't. And, like, I played out here at the Rock and Picnic and they got their own sound man and it sounds great here. And it's not that, like, some are bad and some are good, but, you know, some places you go and it's like the sound guy is just there getting paid like a hundred bucks to sit there three mm-hmm. hours through a show he doesn't want to listen to and how interested is he going to be in trying to mix everything to sound good if he Mike doesn't and his wife i mean his wife's good too yeah it, she knows what she's doing it's it's wild like i i feel like sound guys don't get enough positive mm-hmm. um, things said about them because like you said they take so much pressure off the band if they're there mark um, gales is another good one dude mark gales is so good he's so good I, i've known him since i played with the ski band for about a year and a half and he was just starting to get into it then. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was married to Ed Wilson, which was uh, the ski band sound guy. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of recruiting Mark into it, and that's how Mark got started. So oh, I've cool. known Mark for a long time. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so, like, when you go play at shows, is there usually a sound guy or no? In Cross-Eyed Mary? Yeah. Depends on how big they are. Mm-hmm. Like, we play Iowa Falls. Mm-hmm. And they have a little house PA. Yep. So we just run it from there. Yep. He just can't be as loud and yeah, exactly uh, controlled. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's if we do an outside show, we've used Mark before for outside shows. Yeah. Or, uh, well, we've used Mark too, but Weedman. Yep. Like if it's a big street dance or something, we'll hire him for production and everything. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it just makes which sense. is the way I'd rather do it anyway. It's a lot less work. Bingo. And dragging PA and lights around. Yeah. Um, just taking that pressure off your shoulders because, like, I've played shows at bars. Um, whether it be like I've played a couple bars in Humboldt where they don't have their own PA, so you got to drag mm-hmm. your own PA in, and then you get like, well, I got to set up all my guitar stuff and make sure that sounds good, and then set up the PA and try to make sure that sounds good and adjust it for whoever. And do we have a monitor? And like, how are mm-hmm. we gonna? Hook, is, is, do you want to hook it up this way or that way? And blah. I mean, it's just it's just one thing after the other. But if you have somebody else that has all the equipment, they know what they're doing. They just set it up and yeah. go. And you say, I need more guitar in this monitor. Boom, done. Like you don't have to like walk to a mixer and be like does this sound better like i i always hated that when you have one guy just stands in the crowd and they're like how good does this sound like everybody play a song you know and our guitar player dave easel has done sound for a long time too so it's got to be a benefit he'll have a wireless and go out and listen and oh that's good yeah yeah he's pretty good that's awesome i 
like I don't know. We play, like I said, play a lot of bars that have just like a house PA. Yeah, yeah. Um, not all of them do that. Like Lefties has a sound guy. Vaudeville has a sound guy. So we play those two places a decent amount. But like, we've played a couple shows up in Humboldt, no sound guy, and it's. You know, if we're going to be playing in a bar, playing punk music, it's like we're not going to hire a sound mm-hmm. guy because it's not going to be monetarily worth it or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's always the toughest thing to do is finding the right sound for the right place. I feel like that is, as far as I'm concerned, like that is always like the hardest thing for a band to do because yeah. I, I you know, usually end up with somewhere where it's like, let me put it this way. Like I went to a show last night in Des Moines, uh, got back super late, but like the Eleanors played and they got through one song. and It's like, all right, you need to turn your guitar up. You need to turn your guitar down. And you need to go up a little bit, and it's like so we're like running sound for them from the crowd yeah. after one song, and they, after adjusting it after two or three songs, boom, sounds perfect. But yeah, it's yeah. it's still one of those deals where it's like a crapshoot. You got to get through half your set before everything sounds good, and you rely on what the crowd says, and it's it's not always the easiest situation. Yeah, yeah. We've got visitors. What do you want? <laughs> you can edit this. Stuff uh, over. That's totally cool. <laughs> do it. Yeah. We're gonna pause. All right, we are back. Um, uh, we were just talking sound guys and stuff like that. Uh, let, let me ask you this. So, like, what's your favorite preferred style of music? Do you like playing blues? Do you like playing, like, heavy metal? Like, do you like hard rock? You pretty like much, yeah. Kicking double pedals? What are we doing with the drum kit? Yeah, I got double pedals, but we play Cross Eye Mary's. Well, anything we play, we kind of make it a little bit heavier, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not like super heavy, but it's mm-hmm. got an edge to it, you know. Yeah. A lot of Black Sabbath, Ozzy. Nice, nice. Metallica, nice. stuff like that. We just started playing uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. What is it, Blue, Blue on Black? Blue on Black, yep. And we didn't want to do the new version, you know. Yep. But it'll end up being more like that, you know. Yeah. Doing Kenny Wayne. And it's not that much different, but. Yeah. I mean, just those little nuanceable mm-hmm. changes make it a song for your band. Like, well, when I go see Cross-Eyed Mary play, they, I like it when they play this song because it sounds a little bit different than the studio version, and yeah. it gives that little added depth to your band. Yeah, we don't try to... We're not a tribute band, you know? Yeah. We're not trying to... To cover it exactly uh, as yeah, it sounds. Yeah, we just kind of play it our own, yeah. our own way. That's, Put our spin on it or flair on it. Yeah, and that's... like I feel like that's what adds a lot of... The characteristic of of a good cover band to anything, um, mm. even if you're not like want to consider yourself a cover band or whatever. Um, like for example, we're listening uh, Brutal Republics going on in the background, and they add their own spice to things. Same deal. It's just mm. like when they're playing whatever Red House, it doesn't sound like Jimi Hendrix is playing Red House. Right. It sounds like Brutal Republic, you know. So those are like probably some of my favorite parts about cover bands is when they make a song their own, and it they're not trying to play it exactly like it mm. sounds on the record and stuff like that. You can't. A singer can't replicate you know uh 40 different singers in a night bingo yeah that's super tough i mean you get a band like hairball and they exchange singers sometimes mm-hmm. in and out because it's not possible for someone to go from arch allies was opening up or uh setting up yesterday when we were up in okaboji uh-huh have you ever seen them nope they're uh pretty much a tribute band but they only do like three or four different bands mm-hmm. def leppard dario speedwagon and they do a good job but yep uh yeah that's totally different yeah. They make a lot more money, too. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's another one of those weird things where, like, specializing as a cover band, I feel like you can make more if you... Tribute bands. Yeah, yeah. if you... And that's coming back huge right now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a buddy of mine down in Des Moines started a typo negative cover band. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you know who that is, but, yeah. like, they, they've been... He played one show in Des Moines, it went over super well, and now he's starting to book shows in, like, Omaha and Minneapolis and really? stuff, and there, there's interest in that. And well, I look at Hairball. I mean... Dude... Yeah, hairball. I bet they still say to themselves, "My God, can you believe 
you know how big this guy yeah and they're from like what minneapolis, minneapolis area yeah. yeah and those guys are just blowing up like i i couldn't imagine i don't know i've heard rumors with how much it costs to book them but at the same rate with the production and mm-hmm. the professionalism that those guys have it's 100 percent justified oh, yeah. yeah so but that's always one of those weird things i find is like when you're going to cover a song, how close do you want to keep it to the original? And if you don't, how does everybody in the band decide that, like, this is the way we're going to play it? Yeah. So, like, for example, I play a rock and picnic last year with uh, a band of guys that I threw together. It was uh, Jeff Blummel from Chris Carr Band and uh, Nick Earhart from Riddled with Class and then Dan Blair and myself. And it's like, well, let's play some blues songs. And, like, how do you want to go about doing this? Because this is how the record sounds. And, like, one of the examples was we're playing an ACDC song. It was a... Uh, uh, just got paid and if you listen to the CD version it's different than the radio version the radio oh, really? version is shorter with a shorter solo yeah, yeah. than the CD version so we're all like listening to different versions and it's like dude let's let's not try and map this out as far as the song goes let's just go section to section to section play random solos random solos if we mm. want to kick it back and forth and do it a couple times just do it on the fly and see how good it comes out and that's kind of how I like doing things is just jamming your way through stuff but yeah, it also yeah. it limits you to what you can play like you're not going to be playing any ACDC and just be like I'm just going to jam this out for a while and we're just going to have like a six minute solo yeah. section it just wouldn't sound good you know but if you're playing ZZ Top you can pull it off you know so. our guitar player does that to a lot of songs I mean uh, old Alice Cooper tunes and yep <coughs> he's a very good guitar player he can shred let's throw him throw him some uh, some props here who is your guitar players who is everybody in Cross Eyed uh, right Dave Yazel okay he lives down in Des Moines alright uh there's another Dave, Dave Evans, we call him Groovy. Groovy. He's on Groovy, so. Mm-hmm. And then we just got our original bass player back, nice. Brian Barlow. He's from uh, up by Mason City. Cool. So we just did one show with him so far, and uh, he's a nice addition. We've been trying to get him to come back to the band for quite a while, because Groovy always switches back to bass. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be a three-piece without yep. Barlow. And Brian's a bass player, I mean. Mm-hmm. Dave isn't a bass player. He's a guitar player that will fill in on bass yep. if we need him. Yeah, I mean, he does a fine job. Oh, yeah. There's a much better uh, yeah. bass player. And then we got two guitars, and if we have... And that makes a big difference, too. Yeah, you know? it does. Two guitars versus one makes a huge, uh-huh. huge difference. Just like you said, if somebody's like a dedicated bass player versus somebody who's just hopping on the bass to fill mm-hmm. in the, the sonic space, I will do that. I'll jump on the bass to play for like any of the bands I'm in, but I'm not... A bass player you know mm-hmm. I've, I've said it multiple times even talking with bass players on the podcast like i feel like almost anybody can play bass passably mm-hmm. but to play it well is a whole nother story you know like there's so many nuances the bass guitar has that the guitar doesn't have that that just don't lend themselves like if you're just flipping over to the bass for one show you're not going to play it like the other guy did yeah. it's just not going to work out and for the drummer it's nice to have a good bass player you know dude i, I bet him lock really well and yeah I've been lucky to play with some good bass players. Gene Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a good bass player. Uh, yeah, there's just been quite a few of them, but Brian Barlow's probably my favorite. Yeah. And he's got really killer equipment. I mean... <laughs> that always helps Jesus. out, too. Uh, it's just crazy stupid. I, I always run into those conversations online with people where it's just like, oh, someone's using like this $200 Marshall solid-state head that just is a piece of junk. It's like, well, I guess I had one, but like if you play it live, it's a completely different story than playing it in your bedroom at your mm-hmm. house. So, Yeezel has really crazy stuff, too. Yeah, it's... He's always got something new, too. <laughs> Show for practice, a different guitar. I mean, he's 
I've never seen his guitar collection, but I don't know how many he has. But <laughs> you might have like three. And he's, a lot of money. You might have like three, and he's just like selling one off and swapping it out and selling yeah, the next he's one off. Always, he uh, could be doing that, you know. He's got a bunch, but yeah. he's always yeah, buying and selling. And I like that kind of thought process to this stuff because you never know exactly what you really like unless you try mm. a little bit of everything and he teaches down at Raymond's in Des Moines sweet that's awesome so he's got pretty good connection there and yeah pretty good friends with the tech guy there and that's awesome he'll get good deals on stuff and they treat him pretty good that's that's really cool uh as far as teaching guitar lessons and stuff like that it's something I do sparingly in my free time I teach a few younger kids guitar and um, like my talent level is is still not as as high as I would like it to be, but I can still teach people the basics. And I feel mm-hmm. like at least even teaching uh, younger people or people my own age, I've taught older people even how to play guitar. Um, believe it or not, I taught like a seventy or eighty year old lady how to play guitar, really? and she's been one of my best students really? that I've ever had. So, so that's that's wild. I would think it'd be kind of frustrating. Well, Yazel says that he likes it if they're serious you know yes i will if they're uh, 100% serious about learning it's it's difficult to show up and somebody didn't practice and they don't mm-hmm. care or like uh their parent is forcing them yeah, to be yeah, there exactly. it's it's very difficult i had i had given one lesson to one kid that literally just sat there with his arms crossed like as much as possible really? and then it'd be like hey play this and he just like put his arms to the guitar and go and then he'd just cross his arms again and it was like like you know so after the lesson's over it's like what would you rather be doing right now i'd rather be playing video games my mom took my games away really? until i got, you know, did my lesson it's like oh this isn't going to be productive at all mm-hmm. but but it does add a lot of perspective as far as like me and my own playing style and and how patient you got to be even with like other musicians and things mm-hmm. like that um it it has added a lot of perception to to what's going on i gets to play a lot of new songs you know yeah. some kid wants to learn this song so he's got to go out and learn it and... yep dude that is like some of the best stuff ever because it's it's through attrition you're expanding your horizons even if you don't know you're doing it and and it is kind of tough though to find people that will know what they want to play though because sometimes it's just like what kind of songs do you want to play and it could be somebody on their second lesson they're like teach me this marilyn manson song Mm -hmm. and it's like well i could but we'd have to like tune your guitar differently and then then we'd have to like open a whole new can of worms as far as that's concerned i've asked had people ask me to if i do lessons and i'd be a terrible teacher because i'm I am not a technical drummer. Uh-huh. I taught myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And back then, that was before internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was hardly mail order, you know. How the hell do you do that? Like, somebody gave, okay, somebody was just like, hey, you want this book? It teaches you how to play drums. And I'm like, shit, yeah, I do. And then I'm like, how the hell am I going to learn this from a, bu- yeah, a yeah. book? You know, but people did it. And like, how did how did you go about learning it? was almost it? before videos. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't have MTV at the time. There was a show on, I can't remember what it was called. It would be like Friday Night Videos or something. Yep. And you just watch the drummer. And for a long time, I didn't know you were supposed to cross your arms, you know. Oh. Like, oh, God, that guy's playing like that. Yeah. Oh, man. So you're, you're, so if you're right handed, if you're a right handed drummer, you'd be hitting snare with your left hand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually left handed. But you play on a right or left handed kit? Right handed. Right handed. So, I mean, that'd be like the left hand would still hit the snare, though, because you're playing like a right-handed drummer. But you were thinking, uncross your hand, so the right was hitting the snare. Yeah. Well, I still play like that. I mean, oh, really? I do both. Change it up. Dude, that's wicked. That's it's just because I'm a left-hander. Playing right-handed is kind of fucked up. That's got to add a lot of... It makes fills a little bit different. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I would imagine that would change the way things go down on the on the drums for you, as far as like what somebody could just teach you and be like this is how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that might actually be uh to your benefit though you ever think of that 
It makes you look more ambidextrous. Or, I mean, uh huh. Yeah, I kind of do some weird stuff. Um, I'm not it, saying it's good, but it's <laughs> different. I bet it is. I, I wonder how many drummers sit and watch you drumming, and they're just like, whoa, whoa, what's this guy doing? This is crazy. Cause he's... I twirl my sticks way too much, too. <laughs> I was a big Tommy Lee fan. You dude, know? dude, yeah, I actually really, really like that, as, as showboaty as it sounds and looks, uh, to see people doing it. I freaking love that. Like, uh, I don't do it on purpose. It's just normal. Yeah. I <laughs> think... I, as far as that goes, I've asked a handful of people, like, do you twirl your sticks on purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, well, I practiced doing it when I was younger because I thought it was cool. Yeah. And now I just can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. If there's a big enough space in between something, the snare hand comes way up in the air, a stick twirl, and then pop, down it goes. Right. And it's, I get what, you know, I get where they're coming from. It's just one of those things that that's just kind of how it goes. But, uh, so, like, do you consider yourself a flashier drummer or... Or more of a sit in the pocket and groove with everybody drummer? Or? Sit in the pocket. Yeah. I, I'm a big ACDC fan, so I've always been, you know, sometimes it's just a crash on a cymbal is more important than a big fill or... Bingo. Just uh, solid and... Yeah. Straight. I Sometimes, like when I was playing in the original band, the drummer that I replaced was a very good drummer, but mm -hmm. the music was pretty simple. And he was trying to really write some uh, intricate drums, you know. Yeah. I came in and I just kind of simplified everything, mm -hmm. straightened everything, you know. It was pretty much straightforward. But yeah, I'm not. I can do some fun stuff, but it depends on what it is. Dude, I definitely agree with that. Um, you can overcomplicate the drums, and it kind of affects everything else that's going on. It takes away from the groove, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you want to have less is more on the drums. Mm -hmm. Not always, but yeah. like like you said, sometimes. A good example you, you brought up was ACDC. So I did a podcast with uh, Eric Tran was the guy's name. He lives down in Des Moines. He plays guitar and stuff. And he said that when he plays with a guitarist or another drummer, he'll bring him in and be like, let's play ACDC. And he said that's his like test to see how well this drummer is going to fit into what's going on. Uh, as far as like, are they just going to like pack this thing full of tons of fills? Or are they going to try yeah. and sit in the pocket and do these little nuanceable things that make ACDC good because mm -hmm. it's like he said you can play ACDC on the drums but playing it well like they do is a completely different story because it's like you said it's in the pocket sometimes that cymbal crash is worth more than a giant fill yeah. and overcomplicating things either takes away from uh, what the guitarist is doing what the singer is doing the whole band uh, as, an, as a whole coming out to the yeah. the audience It's it definitely makes a big deal um it's funny we're talking about ACDC, the tribute band tonight. Yeah, there's an ACDC tribute band tonight. Looking them. Dude, uh, Rolling Thunder, yeah, I believe that's the name. That's, uh, Ever heard of Thunderstruck? Thunderstruck. They're a big ACDC. They play up at the surf. I have heard of year. them, yeah. Um, been up there the last couple of years. I I loved going to shows at the surf. It's been a while since I've been there. Um, one of the first shows I ever went to as an adult was at the surf, and it was, let's see here, Quiet Riot, Rat, and Cinderella. Oh, I was at that. Yeah, I mean, it would have been about 10, 15, maybe 15 mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, Firehouse was supposed to be on the show, too, but they pulled off at the last oh, really? second. And, dude, that was one of the things where I saw that, and I was just like, dude, Cinderella is just killing it. And I was, I, like, I grew up my whole entire life, like, hair bands were just kind of, you know, mm -hmm. like, I didn't really care too much for them. It's like, why you guys all got teased hair and makeup? And it just didn't make sense to me. And then you go see Cinderella, and Tommy Kiefer is like, 
maybe on his second vocal surgery, and he still sounds oh, I awesome. Know. I don't know how he can sing like that I for don't this know. many years. I don't know either. And he's like, oh, we're just going to wheel out a, a white baby grand piano for him to play on, too. And it's like, this is insanity. I can't believe it. He's got sparkle guitars. and That was one of the first 80s bands that I saw. Because there for a while, there wasn't any 80s bands touring. Yep. In the mid-90s, you know. Yep. Oh, we yeah. opened up for Quiet Right up in Clear Lake. Sweet. Probably like 94, 95. Oh, so they still had... Um, downtown. Who's the singer? God, I'm going to feel like... Kevin DeBru. It was yes, all original members. Yeah. Except Rudy Serzo. It was actually their original, original bass player, Dude, Chuck Wright. That's cool. But uh, that was in a bar downtown. It's <laughs> no it's way. a racer. It's a racing-themed bar. Now it's, it's a big bar downtown. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. It might be racers or something like that. You said that was Okaboji? No, Clear Lake. Clear Lake. Oh, God, that would have been wild. Well, back then, you know, there wasn't all those bands touring. Yeah. So we're like, uh, well, we get all... the call from the club owner if we wanted to do the show. And fuck yeah, you know. Dude, that's crazy, though, because they like, like you said, they like all those 80s bands, the hair metal bands got just completely squashed yeah. and disappeared. Like they just, nothing, it didn't exist. Yeah. And then, dude, like. I, you I mean, didn't even hear it on the radio, you know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't start going to shows until like 2003, 4, 5 was about when I started going to live concerts and stuff. And you'd see these hair metal bands. And it's like, like here's an example. I went and saw the L.A. Guns. Everybody in the band was younger than me. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, how does this work out when this band is, is yeah, yeah. older than I am old, but everybody in the band is younger than I yeah, am yeah. old? And it's, I don't know. So like, there became a demand for it later and later and later. But there was also a bunch of fill-in musicians that were thrown in there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I guess... How much is somebody going to want to, after you've played arenas with a band that has no budgets because all the money's coming in left and right, and then how bad are you going to want to go to play a show at like Most of those Des Moines didn't Waterworks. make any money. I mean, yeah. uh, they didn't keep it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they're touring around, you know, with their one or two hits and still trying to make a living at it. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, I'll go pay to watch them play. It's it's fun to see, even if there is just a couple original members in those, in those bands, I'm all about watching them play. I, There's some really good 80s bands still. Cinderella's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they still got their original guitarist as well with them, I want to say. I don't think they're playing anymore. I think uh, now it's Tom Kiefer. It was uh, all original. Yep. But I think uh, Tom Kiefer's got a solo thing or something. I look over. What's up, man? <laughs> all right, I just hit record again. Uh, ran out of battery. Ran out of juice. Um, but, yeah, we're talking... 80s bands and and things of the like but dude it's what let me let me ask you this being a cover band sometimes you get the opportunity to open up for bands like these 80s bands and stuff we've talked about a few that you've got to play with who like let's start name dropping some bands who have you played with uh being on cross-eyed mary or any other band that uh, not so much direct support but a lot of bands up at the freedom rally yeah you know, they get a pretty good lineup that's uh, that's good stuff though that's another one just those freedom rallies but the original band too Mm-hmm. We played quite a few cool shows. Bullet Boys, we opened up for up Afterlife in Algona. Yep. Oh, Jeffrey yeah. used to bring a lot of good bands up there. Yeah, and now it's Lifers up in Algona, yeah, I, I think, think it's what it it's called. Lifers. Yeah, we've tried to squeeze into that market a few times, but the the booking up there is sporadic as far as I yeah. can tell because it'll be like, we've got an opening on this day, can you make it? It's like, well, that's four days away. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be hard to I have, been up since, have everybody uh, shuffle their schedules. Lifers. But then they'll be like, all right, we got one like four months from now. And it's like, oh, shit, that's a little far out for us to, to say yeah. whether or not we can do that, um, especially with like changing schedules and stuff. Let me ask you that. Have you ever had any issues booking um, as far as your band 
I always feel like that's the toughest thing about being in a band is finding with everybody's schedule. Yeah, yeah. Not, maybe not finding bookings, but like uh, setting them up, keeping them, getting everybody on the same page to show up to these. Hazel yeah, plays in another band down in Des Moines too. Yeah, and uh, we're so spread out. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's pain in the ass trying to find dates that work for everybody. Yeah, because you're all across the state mm -hmm. and stuff. Do you have like one guy in the band that does most of the? takes on most of the bookings and hits everybody up and says, hey, I had somebody question Every us. Every band, about. it's always one person. It seems, like, <laughs> yeah. it seems like it's easier, though, like to streamline it like that. Um, even as far as, like, sometimes I'll get messages where it's like, hey, you're in a band, I heard your podcast, you want to be on this show, and it's just like, message the band page, because mm -hmm. John will get it, and John will, I do you know. most of it. Groovy does some. Mm -hmm. We kind of take care of different, you know, bars or... Yeah. Uh... I, I used to think it was fun. Now I hate it. You know, <laughs> doing the doing the booking yeah. and scheduling and all that stuff. Trying to get money and dude, it's difficult. It's it's a thankless job. I always feel too. Because I'll tell you what, like like I I always talk about John with Three Finger Betty, and he gives me crap about talking about him so much on the podcast. But he does like all the legwork for that. He books the shows. He stays afterwards. He uh, gets the payout. He splits it up between the bands. Mm. He does the whole nine yards, and he's putting in all that time and stuff. And it's not that I wouldn't, but most of the time, all all of our shows are two hours away from me. So, yeah. for example, we closed a bar down. By the time I drive across town, get some food, and drive home, it's well, five o'clock in the morning mm. <laughs> by the time I get home. So I'm not going to stick around if I don't have to. It's tough. It's very tough. Um, what's the farthest away you've played from your hometown area? Let me ask you that. Probably like Sioux City up into Minnesota, and cool. We played at the Hard Rock over in Sioux City. That was pretty cool. Dude, that would have been That's a cool venue. That would have been so cool. 2017 was a very good year for me. Yeah. You guys we played uh, the Hard Rock, Freedom Rally, Celebration. We opened up for uh, uh, Huey Lewis. Yeah. Oh, that was God. with the original band. That would have been cool. And then uh, the Surf. Nice. All in about four months, you know. Yeah, dude. You're so nailing I was kind of getting used to big venues, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Big PAs and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, super pro sound guys, and it's just, excuse me, that would be like the craziest thing I think would be to like have the opportunity to play those shows because they're few and far between for me. But like when you get to them, you're just like, holy crap, this is this is really neat. But like for some celebration reason, celebration is crazy, dude. Yeah, I I've been to a few of those. Uh, let's see here, um, Ario Speedwagon was the last one I think I went to. So it's been like four or five years since I've been to one. Um, let's see here. That's a very well-organized event, too. I mean, Bingo. I got to be pretty good friends with Ted Bodensteiner. I've met Ted, actually. Have you? I've, uh, his son plays guitar, I believe, yeah, yeah. And, I've, and I've sold uh, used gear to Ted oh, for yeah. his son. And Ted's cool. Dude, Ted is super cool. I, I just, friended him on, just friended him on Facebook. I should bug him a little bit. He just moved up to Wisconsin. Oh, he did? He's uh, like a promoter. I don't know what he's doing for sure. I haven't talked to him much since he's moved up there, but... Mm -hmm. Ted kind of got me into doing stagehand work. That's what he did yep. for a couple of years around here. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that. And I saw opportunities that you can turn that into full-time, you know, like yep. being a drum tech or oh, yeah. backline tech. Yep. But I've kind of kind of got away from that like the last year, just too busy. and Yeah. Probably like playing more than you would fixing someone else's stuff up. Well, the stagehand thing is hard because... Uh, like I did the Foo Fighters show. That was the first one I did. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, that's a big crew. That was like 125 union, you know, stagehands. <laughs> it's not that hard to work, but 
it's a uh, it's pretty cool yeah i mean pretty cool to be pushing a case in and it says foo fighters on it yeah that would be awesome did fleetwood mac sweet that was pretty cool yeah they brought us in at the end of the show the foo fighters show so we got to my little team or crew whatever mm -hmm. we got to sit right behind the stage right behind taylor hawkins for oh, like the last five songs that's, that's sweet that's cool dude that's awesome let's see how much time we got uh, we're we're sitting about 40 minutes here so um yeah, I don't. I don't know what I'm gonna say here next. So you got Cross-eyed Mary. You play drums. It's uh, mostly a cover band. You said you've played in original bands before. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you want to throw anything out there for any of them? Like, what was the original band you played with? Uh, it was one band. Yeah. I'll say the name once, but I don't have anything positive to say about that, that band. So that, yeah. Well, that comes. Uh, just comes back to like we talked about earlier. It's it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. um, it's what it is is it's like you've got to get a handful of people on the same page in their free time to put in work to get together and think as a cohesive unit to play shows maybe every weekend practice once a, and it just it kind of drags on you a little bit like I've, I've been through it with multiple bands um as far as like uh three finger betty i've never had anything bad to say about any of those guys because we've all been very civil to one another um the band Unity that I'm in, we don't spend a whole lot of time together because everyone's across the state here and there and everywhere. So it's we don't get the overexposure to get mm. tired of one another and stuff like that. But I see where it comes from, man. I've been in bands where... Well, Far From Innocent was a, a married couple and the other guy was really good friends. I wasn't friends with them. Oh. They come to me, you know. Yep. All right. So you're a hired gun. Yeah. But I booked most of the shows. I booked Celebration and that was my main goal when I said I'd play with them. I wanted a CD in my hand, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe possibly go on a small tour mm -hmm. and uh, open up Celebration. That's well, I met all my goals, you know, except for going on a tour, but mm -hmm. we got a CD, just a four-song EP for Celebration. Yep. And I can just kind of got screwed out of everything. Yeah. There was a lot of pressure with Celebration. Dude, yeah. Leading I up to that. I can imagine. We did a lot. I got a lot of publicity. Uh, Josh Mason, you know. Yep, yep. He pushed us really hard in interviews and newspaper articles. and Yeah, he's... It kind of got weird. Yeah, he's out there doing doing God's work oh, as far as it's concerned. He like, promotes everything. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could do more. And I took a lot of the inspiration for doing this from his show that he's doing, uh, the Regional Rock Hour. And I did a podcast with him not too long ago. If you want, you can, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and it, that was a good one. It was, it was damn good. Like it was also kind of fun to be like, there's no FCC regulations. Do whatever yeah, you yeah. want, dude. So you got to hear him swear a couple of times. I thought it was the funniest thing ever was hearing somebody with like a perfect radio voice using yeah. profanity. You're like, whoa, wait a second. It's not uh -huh. like it's that out of the ordinary, but it's still just kind of like, holy cow, this is, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of hard sometimes not to swear. Yeah, you got to think about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, once the microphone's in front of your face, it, it, you can put that like veil over mm -hmm. your your you know put a filter up and kind of do it but at the same rate i feel like having a nice conversation is so much easier than trying to filter yourself yeah, he's and, accidentally dropped the f-bomb last year at rock and picnic <laughs> i'm like oh my god he didn't and he caught it right away like apologize if he wouldn't have said anything nobody else probably would have noticed but bingo yeah oh, uh, man. you know and i i would talk to scott about that and he's like oh you know it's it's happened once or twice and uh, as long as you're not out there celebrating it mm -hmm. don't really care so like like you said, if he didn't mention anything, I bet people probably wouldn't have even noticed. But you know, when you call yourself out, it's like, oh, snap. celebration this last year, Sammy Hagar and Vince Neil. You know, mm -hmm. 
that's a pretty you know family oriented event too yep. all ages and so I don't think they really have a whole lot of swearing but I guess if you're Vince Neal or Sammy Hagar you can yep. say whatever you want yeah pretty <laughs> yeah no kidding I <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him though. Like, dude, if I was Vince Neil or Sammy Hagar, yeah. that's another thing. Like, uh, being a musician and being well adjusted don't always seem to go hand in hand. And I find myself, the older I get, the more well adjusted I am. But I'm also not like a Vince Neil or Sammy Hagar, or, like worldwide famous rock star. Yeah. So I'm not just like running around going nuts uh, at the drop of a hat like some mm -hmm. of those guys might have the ability to. Kind of like a comedian, you know. A good comedian can do a clean show and a dirty show you know bingo yeah um I, that's probably my favorite thing ever is when somebody compares what we or what musicians do to any other form of live entertainment because mm -hmm. there are extreme parallels in both of those you know as far as like comedians sometimes it's like well those big guys coming through town they're giving me 15 minutes you know and that's no different than like yeah. cross-eyed mary's opening up for these guys they gave us half an hour to 45 minutes mm -hmm. it's like you got to pack in there your best stuff uh, make the best out of it because uh, you're probably playing regional and this other guy's not but he's the draw so you're showing up and there's going to be people that have never heard of you so you right. got to bring your A game and that, a lot of that exists and people don't necessarily think I about that. I love opening shows. I, I like opening up for shows more than headlining just for the simple fact that a lot of times I don't want to call anybody out but like I've headlined shows where by the time you get up on stage, the two bands that open for up for you, all of their fans are gone. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them's gone. Half of their band is I gone. I like that a lot at the afterlife. Yeah, and had a better crowd early than late. Yep. So opening up is not a bad deal. Plus, if you're opening up, it's just like let's pick these six, seven, eight dynamite songs that are mm -hmm. absolute yeah. bar burners, and just be like, let's do it this way instead of trying to yep. pack in a slow song where it's just like, if you're headlining, you kind of have to do that. Like this is the this is the song that gets everybody amped up, and then this is the song that everybody knows, and then this is the song where everybody can go take a pee, and this mm -hmm. is the song where we can kind of slow down so you can go order a drink, you know? And so, like, you kind of got to figure some of those and pack them in there, but if you're opening up the show, it's just like, oh, we're going to play this killer song, this killer song, this killer song, this yeah. killer song, and not that... Bam, not the, bam, bam, too, you know, no breaks. Yep, and but. it's not that that's the mindset, but it's kind of one of those, like, hey, follow this kind of deals. And it's not like that's what you're going into it thinking, but you've got to make the most out of the short amount of time that you mm -hmm. have, and that's... That's usually what ends up happening. We had 75 minutes for celebration. Dude, that's a long time. I know. That's a long time. We struggled. We had to put some covers in it. We yeah. struggled to cover that, but 75 minutes is a long opening set. I don't know why we yeah. had to do that, but... That's that's nothing to turn your nose... But it goes fast, It you know? does. I And it's kind of like these podcasts. Once you get into it, you're like, oh, man, I got five minutes in, and then you look over, it's like, well, there's 15 minutes in, and then you look over again, but by the time you look over the last time, you're like, oh, I got 48 minutes in. We're, yeah, yeah. we're, doing, we're kicking ass now. We're in the home stretch. I still remember the first show that I played that was long was that Valair Ballroom show, and it was like the fourth show I'd ever played, and it's like, you guys want to play for two-plus hours? Like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So we had to throw some covers in there, and stretch it out as much as possible without just sitting there and talking and being mm. being a bunch of you know bumps on a log or whatever but it it was that's it's difficult to do that it's difficult to keep your composure mentally to just go out and keep kicking ass and you as a drummer i would always i always looked at the drummer where like you'd play a song and i almost always like we want to turn to the drummer and be like dude you doing okay because you're sweating bullets over here you're just <laughs> dumping sweat and like are you one of the drummers that walks around with like a gallon jug of water chugging it in between every song? Just Usually beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it, even playing like hot clubs. and I mean, that's the, that's the reason the drummer's usually like half naked anyways, because they're just sweating so much and they got to stay cool. But you guys burn so much energy up there just 
swinging sticks around Especially playing. Especially when you don't have hair to soak it up. I mean, it just <laughs> drips off. Yeah, I, uh, you and I are in the same boat as we're slightly follically challenged, but uh, like you might have me beat even. I'm, I'm, I'm looking pretty rough for a 30-ish year old. <laughs> I can't. I couldn't stand to have long hair again. Uh, it's too much maintenance. Bingo. I liked having long hair until I cut it all off, and and now I guess I wish I had a full head of hair, but I surely don't yeah. really want long hair back. Yeah. It was uh, it was a lot of work to, like in my younger years. Uh, you have to get used to like not lighting your hair on fire when you're lighting a cigarette and like every yeah. like everything. So there's a little peek into the into the mind of me when I was younger. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as playing those long, long cover shows, uh, what do you think the most difficult part is other than other than just filling the time? Do you think uh, choosing like let me say this like let's say you got 45 minutes with Cross-eyed Mary, you're gonna open up and they're like you guys now have an hour 15, so you got to choose 30 more minutes worth of music. Um, do you guys ever have difficulties choosing what songs to play or like uh anything like that or as no, far as not really you guys are all kind of on the same page as far as tunes when we uh we opened up for a doors tribute band at the surf two years ago mm-hmm. it'd be two years ago this weekend oh cool it was on labor day weekend but yep when they said it was a doors tribute band i'm like you sure you know we're gonna fit in mm-hmm. but uh we just played our normal stuff and went over really well that's good. I actually had a lot of people come up to us and say, I wish you guys were playing all night, you know. <laughs> this band's kind of boring. It's, you know, the Doors, some yep. of this stuff's kind of yes, mellow. and Yep. Yeah. I wasn't ever a huge Doors fan, but uh, yeah. they were a very good band. Dude, they were so good. One of my favorite things ever was when I was growing up, uh, somebody always used to come up to me, and this was their argument to me every time. They're like, oh, these young bands with all this heavy music, everybody just... They just they start rioting and drinking too much and partying and blah blah blah. If you go to a Doors show, nobody was rioting. I'm like, dude, they were all high as yeah, fuck yeah. at Doors shows. That's why. But that's like it's more conducive to that mellow nature of of what's going on. I didn't on. know I knew that much Doors. I mean, until I watched that band, I knew every song. I'm like, God, you know, I didn't realize I was that big of a Doors fan. Yeah, because I mean, everybody when you think of the Doors, you just think like, Come on, baby, light mm-hmm. my fire. You know, and it's like, okay, that's uh. That's kind of that. But the Doors were also kind of one of those unique bands where they didn't really fit the mold of literally almost like anybody. anybody else oh, yeah. that was around them at the time. Uh, they were also they also had uh, Morrison was kind of a goofball, so mm-hmm. it kind of lended to their uniqueness, I guess, in a in a way. Uh, so, what kind of songs did you do? You guys usually like to cover. Uh, we talked a little bit about it. Uh, you're kind of a little bit more into the, I guess, the heavier classic rock. I'm assuming. Kind of, yeah. A lot of. We got a Black Sabbath medley thing that we do. Dude, that's cool. That's just gotten ridiculous. I mean, it's like <laughs> up to six songs or something. That's awesome. You really got to concentrate. Mm-hmm. I always make notes on my set list, which songs, you know, and mm-hmm. how they transition. Yeah. Black Sabbath songs always have a weird metal part. Yes. Right? You know, yep. it's, you know what I'm saying? I think they might have been the inventors of, like, the quote-unquote breakdown. Yeah, yeah. You know, because a lot of, like, the thrash bands have that breakdown in the middle that sounds a little different. I feel like all of that came from Sabbath. Cause so we do these Sabbath songs, and we'll do it until that weird part, and yep. then go into another one. Oh, cool! And it's, uh, it's like, 15 minutes long. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, War pigs and uh, fairies wear boots. And yep. It's pretty cool, but... Uh, Yazel's a big uh, Randy Rhodes guy, so we oh. got to do a lot of Ozzy. Cool, yeah, yeah, I don't blame him. Alice Cooper. Yeah. We do like one Alice Cooper song. Mm-hmm. Some Jimi Hendrix stuff and 
do you ever attempt to like tailor this to the show? Um, maybe like pick out a couple of the heavier songs and play a couple of uh, bluesier songs or something like that oh, yeah. for a show instead of you know try and match the audience or mm-hmm. or try and guess what you're gonna run into in a different. We've had town. to do blues jams when Dave had problems with his uh, groovy, had problems mm-hmm. with his voice last okay. year. Starting with this show, or he had some problems at the Freedom Rally, but uh-huh. this show, Rock and Picnic, he had a lot of problems and. Well, yeah, actually, I had to do like a 10-minute blues jam, you know, because uh-huh. he was having problems singing. Oh, yeah, I mean. So we haven't really done much since last year because he went to the doctor, and he's got to take care of now. But mm-hmm. but uh, singers, I feel bad for them. You know, that's oh, a voice. That's like a muscle, you know, the older they get. Bingo. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing I was thinking about. Like, if I'm playing guitar two hours, my hands get tired, big deal. I can still go walk around and communicate with people and have a good mm-hmm. time and 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 eat food and and whatever else but if you're a singer and you sing for two hours and your voice is shot and your throat is all messed up um first off i always just have the utmost respect for singers not a good singer i i can pull it off if i absolutely I can't have even to remember lyrics i don't even listen to lyrics <laughs> i can my wife's always saying i love the lyrics of this song you know and if i try to listen to lyrics to a song like halfway through i'm find myself not even paying attention <laughs> do you uh key in more on the drum beats or uh, yeah and the bass guitar and yep i always feel like a lot of musicians lend themselves to their instruments within the song a lot more and that's where a lot of people choose their music where mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of extremely technical drummers like that really like heavy metal stuff where the dude's just like bah, 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 you know it's like cookie right. monster singing vocals and stuff but like they're like i'm not even listening to that guy i'm listening to the drummer mm-hmm. and the drummer's just killing it over here yeah meanings of songs really don't mean anything to me you know there's yeah. a few songs that you always have songs that you always put back to a certain situation you know yeah yeah you every t- time it comes on you think of that situation bingo yeah um, or a death or of a friend or exactly yeah um i was here when i heard this song and now it's forever burned in my mm-hmm. mind to be this certain situation i've yeah i've definitely got a few of those in my life but it's also kind of funny like when you hear songs and you think about like Okay, for example, last night uh, I was at the bar in between bands. Somebody turns on the jukebox, start playing The Police, and I was, someone's like, the police suck. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're not my favorite band ever, but I like listening to the lyrics of these guys because every now and then a police song, you're like, this is kind of creepy. Like, right. uh, God, I, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah. Okay, that'd be one if I want to recommend you to listen to the lyrics of anything. Listen to the lyrics on that one. It's just like, dude, like... What are you guys singing about? Like, is this this better not really? be like a real life situation? Because it's about like a teacher and a schoolgirl that like like really? each other and they don't know they like each other. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, and it's stuff like that where it's like, did anybody ever listen to this? This is played on the radio all the time. It's 2019. I thought people were mad about this stuff, and it's like this is too. This is How just about Winger 17. Dude, yeah, I yeah. can't believe they could still play that. She's, yeah. she's only 17, but yeah. she's old enough for me or something. Yeah, like that. it's like uh, uh, and that's literally nothing more than a ripoff of Christine 16 by Kiss, uh, yeah. which is also like this song is greasy. <laughs> like, there's a part in that song where he's like. When I saw you coming out of school that day, <laughs> I knew I had to have you. And it's like, dude, how can you? I wouldn't even say that out loud in recording. Hope somebody doesn't isolate that audio <laughs> of me saying it just now. But man, it's it's, I don't know. Today's world that we live in, you know. It is kind of wild, though. Um, I feel like there's a lot of different perspectives being given on a lot of different platforms. Like if you go to Facebook, it's a different. You get a little bit of different exposure than you do with Twitter, than you do with like just going out your front door and talking to your neighbor, mm-hmm. than you do on the news. But I also feel like a lot of that's like an echo chamber. Like if you go on Facebook, it's going to figure out that like 
you're, you lean left or you lean right, and it's going to show you things that either uh, you agree with or you horribly disagree with. And I've, I've looked up like the science behind a lot of that stuff, and I've tried my best to outdo the algorithms, and I found it just honestly best to stay off social media as much as possible to try to preserve my own sanity. And, Facebook uh, is creepy, man. It's, it's get, a spy. It's getting weird. Um, everybody knows it is, but like as far as like targeted ads or like you can you can be thinking something and Facebook will show up with something uh-huh. that either reinforces yeah. what you think or challenges what you think. I took a picture with Steve Litter last night and my wife and daughter were in it. Mm-hmm. And they both got notifications a little bit later that uh, I don't know, it must be facial recognition. Mm-hmm. That yep. Somebody posted, I posted a picture that could include them, you know. Yep. It, It'll it'll do that. I've That's actually strange. I found oh god, this is the worst thing. I found ways around that where like if and it, it works best at a computer, and this is just a weird thing. So like if you're at a computer and you pull up a picture, it'll pull up a box like right around your face and it'd be like, Who is yeah, this? Yeah, and yeah. somebody can tag you in it. Yeah. And the more people tag you, the more it realizes your face and starts just auto tagging you and other things. So like what I do usually when I, I try to do when I do like the podcast stuff is I, I tag somebody in the picture outside of this facial recognition mm-hmm. box so it doesn't know whether or not it's my face or their face that is the same person. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean that's just like a defense mechanism I have against that kind of stuff because I'm a little bit creeped out by that but at the same rate like, like I don't know I just bought a new phone it's got facial recognition software instead of the thumbprint thing that yeah, iPhones yeah. used to have. I never turned it on. It's, it's yeah, like yeah. there's... There's enough people that have enough of my facial rec, and like, why would I want Apple to have my facial recognition now that they've already got my thumbprint? Mm-hmm. The world's kind of weird, but the one I don't know. Let's drag it back to music. The one thing that's always been constant is music, you know. And I feel like that's the one thing that always brings people together. How many people are outside right now? Two, three, four hundred, five hundred. Yeah, that's you know, quite a few. It, it's packed here. These people don't all agree with each other. They don't have the, all have the same political mindset. But we're all down here in town enjoying something together, not arguing with each other. Nobody's fighting over politics. Nobody's fighting over yeah. uh, small-town nonsense. No, Everybody's putting all that aside to come out here to enjoy music. I think that's the reason I like music so mm-hmm. much is it just brings everybody together. You can ignore everybody your issues. can forget everything for a while and Bingo. enjoy the show. And that's that's what it comes down to is, is getting a break from that uh, the rat race of what's going on out there because... I mean, believe it or not, like the internet's just full of people. It's it's one person with a blowhorn telling you how everyone feels, and you and for the most part, everybody goes on there and like this person said this, so I believe it. Like this is how everybody yeah, feels, yeah. and then you go like you said, go out to these shows, and it's like everybody's just getting along. Nobody's arguing with each other. Uh-huh. It's such a crazy deal. What's the? Let me ask you. This, what's the biggest show you've played? Celebration. Celebration. Yeah. Dude, I think it was like seven thousand. Holy. <laughs> that was uh, that's weird. That's a lot of faces. It's facing you, you know, dude. That's the only show I ever uh, threw up before. Oh God, yeah, I could, I could see that. Like, uh, just playing the Rock and Picnic here last year, two, three hundred people were here at the uh, onset of the show because we opened up very, very early in the afternoon for that one last year. That was another one. I was just by the time I was done, I was wearing a gray shirt. It was darker gray by the time I was done because that thing was just dumped uh, with sweat. And I was like, holy cow, I'm so nervous out here just playing all these people. Um, Celebration is just intimidating. I mean, it's a big stage. Uh, yep. Oh, big God. area, you know. Uh, they still doing that at the was it Olsen Park Band Shell down in Fort Dodge? Well, Harlan Rogers. Harlan Rogers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that would have been way more full than down at the Olsen Park Band Shell. When I left, we did sound check, and we were camping over at uh, Kennedy. Yep. When I saw the line of people waiting to get in, oh, God. gates weren't open yet, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck did I want to do this show for? You exactly. <laughs> Why did I want to do this? It all went well, though. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, God. 
that would that would yeah, I'm 100% with you. That would be so intimidating, especially like you said, you sound check, everything sounds good and you're like, "Man, this is going to be great." You go back to your camping spot for a little bit, you're driving back 400 cars are waiting to get into the place. I would have just I would have done the Once I got back to the stage, everything was fine, but mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a uh... It was crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, the pressure just leading up to that, knowing that that's how many people are going to be there. Because beforehand, you're not really thinking about, like, oh, this place is going to be packed. You know, we're opening it up for Hagar. It's going to be great, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same rate, like, the closer it gets, you're just like, holy cow, what have I what have I got myself into? The surf is cool because it's there's so much tradition, you know. Yep. Did you ever get to go back and see the green room there? Yeah, when we played there, we Dude, that's there's two different green rooms. Oh, yeah? The headliner got the the main one yep and then there's one off to the side but that's got all kinds of signatures and yeah i've always yeah, we signed the wall and sweet i've always wanted to peek inside that green room and i've i've honestly debated whether or not to go up there and schedule a tour just to go see it and they can go there anytime can't you yeah like during the week yeah because they're open during the day and if you just call them up i think what the deal is there's always somebody working there so like yeah, if you yeah. want to go buy tickets at the quote-unquote box office somebody mm-hmm. will be there to sell them to you but you can also be like hey i'm coming in at one for can you do a tour today? And they're like, heck yeah, we can walk you around the building and I stuff. I got up there, and my daughter went with me. I was like the first one of the band to get there. and mm-hmm. So we walked around the surf and looked at all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just dead quiet in there, you know. Yep. It was like eerie, you know. Yeah. There's so much uh, history at that place. It's wild. I love how, I don't know who's curating what they put on the walls, but they'll, they'll have stuff from all of the years that people have mm-hmm. played there all over the walls. And then every year at the surf, they'll bring in five to ten pretty big bands mm-hmm. and they'll usually take donations from these bands and yeah, then guitars and, then, yeah, and uh, uh like a i want to say charlie daniels band was there a few years back and i can't remember it's not like they got a fiddle but they got like maybe a hat from him or something mm-hmm. they always take like something kind of slightly signature to this person and put it in there and be like here we're gonna frame this put it up here it's kind of yeah. a neat thing we got going on and they do a really good job of displaying that stuff, swapping it out for new stuff. Because every time I've been there, there's been a slightly different array of stuff on the mm-hmm. walls. And that's one of my favorite parts about going a to shows A lot of bands, there. about every band that plays there appreciates it for, you know, what it is. Yep. And, I, and I, you know, we <coughs> get Robert that. Plant's going to be there. Yeah, I weeks. saw that. I, I debated whether or not to get tickets. I'm sure that's sold out. It sold out in like 15 minutes. Yeah, because, I mean. It crashed or I couldn't get tickets. Yeah. I, my wife was trying to get them on the website. And it crashed their website. Yep, yep. And uh, I made like 400 calls oh, God. trying to call the number, you know. So I'm hoping to maybe get a favor and still score a couple, but yep. I doubt it. Oh, God. Yeah, and that's a tough one. Like, I remember, I want to say ZZ Top played there maybe a couple yeah. years back. And that was I think one they've been there a couple times. And that was one where I was like, I'm going to go to this or whatever. And then tickets were astronomically priced, but at the same rate. If you do the math, how much does it cost to bring ACDC in? I'm guessing two hundred thousand, quarter million, somewhere in there. Those are numbers that I've I've heard oh, rumored. ACDC? Uh, no, a ZZ Top. Excuse oh. me. But that was those were numbers that I've been quoted mm-hmm. that aren't real. Like I was just like, it's about this much is what I've heard. So I've heard like fourth hand that it costs like a quarter million dollars to bring them in. If you got a place that only seats two to three thousand people, your ticket prices are going to have to be pretty high to recoup oh, everything yeah. back. And then on top of that, ZZ Top's coming to the Surf Ballroom. You're not going to get a ticket of that. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to try your hardest. And it's going to end up with a situation like you making 400 phone calls and still coming up short. But uh, shows are expensive. I mean, I know uh, Kid Rock, Celebration was looking at getting them, mm-hmm. or they put an offer out, and it had to be over 750 yeah. to even consider. Yep. And dude, I get it though. Like, uh, as far as a musician's aspect comes, like if you're that big and you've got to 
gather up all your gear, get a whole crew together to show up at a place, to have all the music learned. To, I mean, even as far as like, uh, are you gonna have to bring your own lights, stage setup? What all are you gonna have to bring to make this? That's not even including that in the price. Oh God, production is separate. Oh Jesus, but you know, and, and that just comes down to, I I agree with it. Like, uh, to an extent, like I I get the fact that like musicians need to get paid. People that are that big are gonna expect more than some of the smaller bands like us. But I've always been trying my best to like do a positive fight for paying the musicians their just dues because I've been to shows where it's like your payout is six bucks. It's like, mm-hmm. oh sweet, how are we gonna split that between four people? <laughs> you know, I'm like, you just want to like take it and throw it out in the street or whatever. You know, like, but at the same rate, it's like, dude, they paid us. I'm I'm happy we got paid something, I guess, but. It's it's always a tough thing to find, and I guess that comes down to like: Are you playing in a cover band? Are you playing in a, an original band? Are you covering mm-hmm. two to four hours, or are you covering thirty minutes? You know, and and are you playing songs people know that are bringing them in, or are you just playing originals and nobody knows them and people are leaving? You know, it comes down to like all these different factors that, believe it or not, a lot of musicians don't want to admit. They're just like, I put the time in, pay me the money, and trust me, I get that mindset too. But you still also have to look at it as a business aspect. Somebody's putting all this on as a promoter or a business owner. Oh, there's a lot of different. There's uh, so many people different people getting paid. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, like a uh, big show at Wells Fargo. You know, you got catering. Yeah, uh, there's so many different departments. Mm-hmm. The local crew, you know, they got to mm-hmm. pay for that. Yeah, I 125 mean, people on that Foo Fighters show, and everybody's getting at least twenty-two dollars an hour. You know. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's just the local crew, and then they had like fifty on the. Uh, touring crew. Yeah, and that's the other thing is you think like, oh, oh, seven fifty is so much for Kid Rock. But it's like, how many people is he bringing with him? They all got to get paid. It's not like they're just showing up for fun. They all got to eat food. There was eighteen semis for that Foo Fighters. Dude, you know how many buses? <laughs> yeah, it costs a lot of money to to drag a band like that across know. the states. I I don't know. I used to I used to get upset about stuff like that. But the more I think about it, and I, maybe it's just getting older, becoming more business minded, and being more open to the idea of like. There's a lot of bigger picture things going on here than just this band showing yeah, up and yeah. playing a show, you know? It's, I don't know, I have a lot more respect for, for bigger shows like this now that I know what has to go into to setting them up. Um, even as far as, like, I'm, I'm gesturing towards the rock and picnic stage. Like, this is a huge show for Humboldt. It takes a lot of work to set this up. They pay all the bands to show up. Mm-hmm. They, they justify it accordingly. It's a free show, so they're not getting any money from anybody in the crowd to just show up. And all of it's literally just donations, buying shirts, foods, things yeah. like that. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Someone's got to balance all those books behind the scenes and make sure that everything comes out right. It's, yeah. it's not an easy task, and I'd probably work on it all year. You oh know? God, yeah, no kidding. And I'm, and it, they do a, a damn fine job. And anybody that's doing any of that work to promote music, to bring music into your bar, or or to bring a band that you like into a bar that you want to see, that like you're doing all of like I always say, you're doing God's work here, man. You're doing all of the the mm-hmm. hard leg work that is stuff that. I don't know about you, but I take it for granted because I don't do almost any booking in my band. So, like, John is the one that does a lot of that headway and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I don't get to see a lot of that firsthand. And the few times that I have booked shows, it's it's a pain in the butt. You know, it's like yeah. you tear your hair out and you hit up everybody in your band. Can you make this show? Yes. All right. Well, we can make it. Now we need to find an opener. It's like you hit up all these openers. Can you guys make it? It's like, well, yeah. we'll get back to you in a week. And it's like, well, okay. Then you wait a week. And it's like, okay, next band. Can you guys make it? And it's like... You know, give us a week to like try to plan it out. It's like, no, we can't make it. So you got like you're digging into like three, four, five opening bands, and it's not easy. I don't know how the tour. We did a lot of shows with uh, Screaming for Silence. Have you ever yep. seen them? Yep. I told Jeffrey. I said I went on the, every show, every time they're at the Afterlife. Mm-hmm. I love that band. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, those guys, you know, they tour, go on tours all over the country. Yep. Driving in a van, pulling a trailer. Oh, God. Sleeping in Walmart parking lots, you know, after yeah. the show. And living sleeping off, in bars. Living off canned tuna uh, and rice uh-huh. packets and stuff. And It'd be a rough life. I mean, dude, it wouldn't be it'd easy. It'd be fun. It would be fun, but at the same rate, like, I'm only 30, and I'm like, I'm not oh, 30-ish, and I'm still just like, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to do that. Uh, There's no no way I'm going to be like, hey, hang out in this van with a bunch of smelly people eating pasta. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm kosher. Like, as much fun as it sounds like to live your dream, to do that kind of thing, uh, yeah. it's still just kind of like, man... Maybe I've been sanded down too much by society, but it just doesn't sound like it's doable. And uh, everybody that's out there doing it, you're living the dream, and I wish I had the drive that everybody out there had. I know to do I'm it. too old to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure it only gets tougher when you get older and you have a family and, and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, uh, how bad do you want to leave your nice, comfy, cozy bed and your family and, and your day job as much as you might not like your own day job? Because I'm sure mm-hmm. everybody else out there has their own like uh, nuances about their job that they don't like. But it's still like, man, I. I like having the money, and I like showing up and doing the work. And, and believe it or not, if you had to sit in a van for five hours a day to travel to the next show, you'd probably get pretty bored after a uh, week, you know? Like, how much time can you spend on Facebook and social media or playing video games or cards across the table with somebody or whatever? Yeah. It, it would get a little old, but that's the reason that I'm so thankful for shows like this in Humboldt or, like, uh, as far as me being in a punk band down in Des Moines and, and just getting these opportunities to play kind of close to my hometown, uh, I love it so much. Uh, how did you get first involved in doing a lot of this stuff as far as playing shows locally? Was it like you in high school with a buddy that were just like, hey, you and me, let's play some stuff. You play guitar, I play drums, let's just see what That's happens. That's kind of or- what it was like when I was a freshman, you know. Yep. Well, I'll play drums, well, I'll play guitar. That never went anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, we sucked. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a and I moved down to Ames, and then I found some better musicians down there. Uh huh. And then I just then I ended up moving back, and my uh, initial plan was to move back up to Minneapolis. Or move to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan on staying around here for very long, but here I am. Yep. Yeah. That's me. Too. I ran into Groovy, clear back. We've been playing together for that would have been the early '90s, like '92. Yeah. So that's how long we've been playing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so you... <laughs> and Yazel. Yep. I uh, met him when I lived down in Ames. He was going to Iowa State. That's and, cool. Uh, so I've known him since back then, too. That's awesome. I also feel like to transition from that, like, I'm a beginner in high school to the next level, you almost have to just surround yourself with better musicians mm-hmm. to kind of elevate everyone's game all at the same time. It was weird with the Yazel. We started Cross-Eyed Mary... And we had a couple different guitar players. We had one that was with us for about five, six years. Mm-hmm. And Yazel was actually living in Eagle Grove, and I didn't know it. Uh-huh. He, I'd see him out mowing, and I'd tell my wife, I said, man, that looks like a guy who used to know names, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Before Facebook, so you could just, like, Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, he used to play in uh, the house band on Sports Sound Off. Okay. He worked for WHO. Cool. In the control room. but <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, shit, that's Dave Yeasel. I know that guy, you know. Mm-hmm. They'd like show him going, playing out to breaks and coming mm-hmm. back in. Yep. But then uh, he had a son the same age as my daughter. Uh-huh. So I saw him at a couple of uh, school events. And then I actually ran into him up in a Ronnie James Dio at the surf. Dude, yeah. Like a Sunday night Dio and Anthrax. and You want to hear the, the crazy? I'm going to admit this on the podcast, and I'm only going to say it once. 
I, before I knew what was good for me, somebody was like, I have an extra ticket to Dio. Do you want to go? And I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. Really? And I didn't go. How dumb, how awesome dumb is that? Look, Dio walked around and shook people's hands in the crowd after the show was over. Really? Yeah. Like, that's how dumb I am. I have seen Dio. I saw him with Black Sabbath uh, on the Heaven and Hell tour. But, anyways, continue. God, I feel so dumb. No, for that was an awesome night. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I got to see Dio once. Mm-hmm. I was a huge Dio fan growing up. Yeah, I am now, but uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was good for me at the time. I think Rudy Sarzo was playing with him. and uh, I think so. Simon Wright, I believe, was a drummer. Yeah, so good. I've got to see a lot of cool shows at the surf. I mean, intimate setting. That Dio show, there was only probably like 500 people there. Yeah, I heard it wasn't sold out, not uh, even close. I've, God, I'm so upset I didn't go to that. But, uh, you well, know, I ran into Yazel at that. I'm oh, like, dude, are you cool. Dave Yazel? You know, yeah. And then when we all got in a fight and didn't talk to each other for five years, I was down at Laser Fest. Mm-hmm. Miles Kennedy and Slash, you know. I was at that show. I say that Miles Kennedy got us back together because mm-hmm. I said I'll never talk to Yeezel again, you know. Yep, but you never get to watching, see him again. Uh, slash, and it was like a beam of light come down from heaven. <laughs> Miles Kennedy singing "Sweet Child of Mine." Yep, and I'm on one side of the sound booth and I'm, he's on the other side, and we both like looked at each other at the same time. And uh, ever since we made up there, yep. Uh, so I always said Miles Kennedy brought us back together, you know. Dude, that's awesome. I've always considered him like. Jesus, he kind of looks like Jesus, dude. I, when I used to have hair, great pe- singer. People used to call me Miles Kennedy because really? I kind of had the same hairstyle as him and stuff. It happened all the time. Fun story about Miles Kennedy. I big Alter Bridge fan. You and I were talking Creed before the podcast. Creed turned yeah. into Alter Bridge. I was a huge Alter Bridge fan. I went and saw them a couple times live. Um, really small shows that not very many people were at. You get to stand front row and stuff like that, you know and and you're just like, hey, I, you know, mm-hmm. rock and roll. I saw this guy, and then I saw him at the surf with Slash, and I was just like, dude, you know, I'm standing there. I got my Alter Bridge shirt on. I'm like, kind of, kind of like halfway up in the crowd. There's like nobody around me, and he's he's singing and stuff, and he's just looking at me, and he's holding his mic, and he's like, hey, dude, nice shirt. And oh, I was yeah. just, I was like, holy crap, he talked to me, woo, you know, and like, <laughs> tries throwing a pick out to me, and I'm too far away, of course, and he's not a pick thrower, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I man. love Miles Kennedy. I love. Uh, Alter Bridge, too. Dude, Alter Bridge is so good. <laughs> Thank God Scott, Scott Stapp was an asshole, or else we wouldn't have Alter Bridge. <laughs> Bingo, yeah. I actually heard that uh, Alter Bridge, they turned down Scott Weiland for the job. And, oh, really? And that's, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but um, we've actually got... Let's see here. Oh, dude, we've got well over an hour recorded now. So, cool. Is there anything else you want to uh, add to the podcast here while we're still here? Any shout-outs? Uh, any, anything at all? Not really. Not really. I'm getting ready to. I'm ready to go over to the rock yeah, and picnic. I'm ready to go over there now. Check out some bands. I, uh, you know, let me let me say this. If I hadn't seen Brutal Republic like three weeks ago at Timbuk Brew, I I probably would have oh, said you make it over there. Yeah, I, I would have said, hey, let's postpone this. But mm-hmm. I've I've seen them like within the last couple of weeks, and so I I'm not as mad that I missed their their set because yeah. I I can't I can't tell. I got headphones on, so I can't tell if they're still playing or not. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to head over there and enjoy some music. So. Give me one of these fist bumps here, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank uh, you for make, having me. Making the time. Uh, Cross-Eyed Mary, check them out online. I'll I'll bug you for some links. We something. have a Facebook page, but it's actually a friend page because Groovy didn't know what he was doing when he set it up. Yeah. But it, there's uh, good things about that, too. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you actually, there are benefits and More downfalls. people to see both. it. Yeah, um, yeah, it definitely. I've had the Cross-Eyed Mary friend page show up on my do you know this person mm-hmm. quite a bit. And that's another thing, like, 
running the social media is not always easy because like Rock and Picnic has a group instead of a page. Yeah. So like it's it's weird dynamic, but I'll find all your social media stuff. You and I will connect with this, and I'll put it all in the description section of this so everybody can find. We should start a regular find cross-eyed married. But that's too much work. <laughs> it's not that bad. I wish I like that's. And it's hard to get likes, you know. Dude, it is hard to get likes. It really is. Um, there's and you see how many people you know that reaches out to and sometimes it sucks yeah nobody yeah. sees it uh i've talked about that on the podcast Unless you, too. you know put some money on it i've i've done that with stuff where like we we <laughs> jesus we went in the studio we posted a picture of uh, a a woman sitting there with a cup of coffee and she's just like i wonder if he's thinking of me and then it's like some dude and he's just like squinting at a bunch of screens and he's like this snare sounds like shit and he's like in a recording studio session <laughs> And I was like, we're heading to the studio today. Well, that gets like more exposure than mm-hmm. anything else we've posted about shows coming up and, and anything. You post something about a show coming up, it's like 22 people saw it. It's like, oh, that's, that's a little disheartening to do that. Even if, even though I shared it and everybody else in the band that's on social media shared it. Still. I did a Taco Tico burrito experiment. I'm like, you know, I see somebody, oh, God, I ate a Taco Tico. Oh, yum. <laughs> you know, I love that place. So I took a half-eaten picture of a Taco Tico burrito put it on Facebook. I said, Taco Tico. That's all I said. And I got like a hundred likes and comments. And, <laughs> but I could put, you know, we're playing such and such, you know, to yeah. get four people. Yeah. Look, you put no work into eating half of a taco uh-huh. and everybody loves it. Yeah. You put all this work into playing in a band. Even, to, even if 200 people are at the show, only four people saw it on Facebook and liked it. I've so. unfriended people that, you know, all they do is, the only time they come in anything is if it's bad. Yeah. Oh, prayers, you know. Yeah. Well, I know a hundred people don't know. They're not all that religious, you know. They're not praying <laughs> for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I oh, just get man. sick of the drum. I, I pretty much just use social media for promoting bands. Yeah, and, it's an outlet, not a, uh, not a source for input. Yep, I totally get what you're saying. I've been... I've been I've been transitioning to that more uh, the last couple of years. I feel like that's a good way to at least keep your sanity. Cause and I, politics and uh, dude, yeah, I mean, and that comes back to this, dude. All that drama and politics and stuff non-existent. We're at the rock and picnic. You show up to where there's music. Nobody cares about any of that stuff yeah. unless it's like two in the morning. Someone's fighting out in the front. But you know, yeah. dude, it comes back down to that. I want to say thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's been yeah, a you. great time sitting down talking with you, getting to know you. So cool, man. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you out there at the show. Yeah. All right. Check you later. Thanks. Huge thanks to Lance Larson for joining me on the podcast. God, that was a good time. Uh, you know, this is probably one of the best and, and craziest parts about this podcast is sitting down with people that I do not know and getting to know them better and talking with them about uh, just whatever they have going on and uh, whether or not I've seen them play live because I've joined the music scene a little bit later than most people that I that I talk to. And I haven't been fully involved in it for too many years, but you know I have sat down and enjoyed quite a bit of music in the last couple years. And uh, speaking of the last couple years, like the last year, I've done a podcast about it, and I hope everybody's found a bunch of of cool people to sit down and talk with at shows. I will have to say that when I was at the Rock and Picnic uh, last weekend in Humboldt, Iowa, I ran into so many people that I've known uh, just that I met over the last year or two, uh, whether it be doing the podcast, playing live shows, going to see live shows, jams, uh, whatever it happens to be. I, I ran into so many people that, that it's, it's been a while since I've seen a lot of them too. And it was really good to see some, some new friends and some old familiar faces. And everybody came up and said hi to me. I'm very, very happy that everybody got to come up and, 
and and chat. Uh, it was just such a good time to to get back in touch with a handful of people because. Man, I'm so busy these days, it seems like when I go to shows, I just have to duck out as soon as the show's over, and I don't have much time to converse. But this was uh, this was an exception. Had a great time. Uh, ran into a lot of people. I, I would thought about naming everybody I ran into, but at the same rate, I don't want to sell anybody short. There were a lot of people that said they didn't see me at the show, but you know what? It's going to be kind of hard to find me when there's a thousand plus people at the show. No, I'm not kidding. There was at, at least a thousand people at the show. It was probably one of the biggest years the Rockin' Picnics ever had. Uh, I I played a show Saturday night with Three Finger Betty, and uh, that had Americature and the Eleanors on it, and I had a great time uh, watching those guys play. It was the first time watching the Eleanors, and it was the first time I'd seen Americature in over a year. And Americature comes from up in my neck of the woods in the Fort Dodge area. I did an interview with Jared Harp. If you want to check anything out on them, go check it out. That was a good, that was, that was a good episode, too. It was a good time seeing those guys play. I got home so late on Saturday night, I got a Sunday morning, I slept until like 3 on, on Sunday and then headed down to the Rock and Picnic. I ended up missing Dawn Patrol, huge bummer, but uh, Scott Dahl posted a bunch of videos, posted them in that Rock and Picnic group, check them out if you want. Lucky for me, I showed up uh, just before Brutal Republic hit the stage, I got to see uh, about half of their set, popped over to Lance Larson, see what he was doing, did a podcast with him, you guys just listened to that, it was a great one, wasn't it? Uh, then I got to come back in time for the second half of Grin's set. Uh, I ended up missing, I believe, the Cosmic Brownies or maybe even the Chris Carr band might have played in between Brutal Republic and Grin. But uh, I got to see the Chris Carr band play uh, after Grin was over. That was that was a freaking awesome time. I love the Chris Carr band. I made a tweet about it at the show. Uh, Chris Carr band was probably one of those bands when I first started going back and watching live music again i wasn't playing very much guitar and those guys inspired me to pick up my instrument and get better at it so a uh, huge tip of the cap to everybody in the chris car band i love you guys to death uh you know it's one of those cool things to get to see you guys play shows you're all really good at singing and playing your instruments and doing every single thing you do it's just tons of fun uh closing out the night rolling thunder holy cow they sound so much like acdc uh they also know how to get everybody amped up Somehow they got everybody from their nice comfy seats to get up and just pack the front. It was one of the first times I'd been to a show at the Rock and Picnic where everybody just started packing the front. Uh, as soon as everybody just started getting up and meandering up to the front, I I started ducking out the back door and I saw a picture that everybody was on stage and st- man, that what a party! Uh, Rock and Picnic is always a good time. If you missed it this year, don't worry, there will be one next year. I will most likely be doing a podcast about it. Uh, had a great time. Uh, hats off to everybody in the Rock and Picnic committee. I want to say a huge thanks to Lance Larson for taking a little bit of time out of his afternoon to sit down with me to talk about music and stuff. Uh, even though we both went to an event to watch music, we uh, sat down and talked about it before we ended up going to watch more music. So it was a great day, full day of music. Uh, I was there 3 until 10.30 or so. Uh, music was still going when I left. Uh, so I'll tell you what, if... If you don't know what I'm talking about and you just tuned into this episode, go back a couple episodes. Check out that Rock and Picnic episode I did with Scott Dahl. It was an amazing episode. The show was amazing. It was just I, it flawless. The whole thing was flawless. I, I loved it. They auctioned off all the gear. They uh, raised some money for next year. The, the crowd support and the community support was amazing. It's uh, just crazy to see that. Uh, thanks once again to Lance Larson. Check out all of Cross-Eyed Mary's goodies down below. I got a link down below to check out if you want to see what Cross-Eyed Mary's got going on. You can check them out on Facebook. Uh, 
Thank you to Couchtown Coffee. If you want to check out Co Couchtown Coffee's links, they're down below. Don't forget to enter that code word cross-eyed to save yourself 20%. It's been a long weekend, guys, and uh, got another good weekend of music coming up this next weekend. So we'll check you guys later. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Audible Farm Podcast. Peace.